Hey folks, and welcome to Typology, the show in which we explore the mystery of the human personality through the lens of the Enneagram. My name is Anthony Skinner. I'm the producer of the show, and returning to the show today, we have psychotherapist, thought leader, coach, and master Enneagram teacher, Beatrice Chestnut. That's right, Beatrice is with us, and today we are covering Enneagram 6s, so hang on for the ride. There is a lot of great content in this episode. You're going to love it. We're happy to have Beatrice back with us. That's it for me, Anthony Skinner, and now for the host of our show, Ian Crumb. Beatrice Chestnut, welcome back to Typology. Very happy to be here. (laughs) Author of... The complete Enneagram, not the partial Enneagram, but the complete Enneagram, <laughs> 27 Paths to Greater Self-Knowledge, a, uh, a characteristic or virtue, in a sense, uh, self-knowledge, that is in short supply these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a, it's a timely and wonderful, wonderful book. We're going to, you and I... A couple of weeks back, we, we spoke about ones and twos, and uh, today and in our next episode, we're going to be talking about two of my favorite types, sixes and nines. Mm. These are uh, wonderful, wonderful human beings, and I want to start off by asking the question, there are three nuanced expressions of nines, right? Three subtypes, and we're going to jump into those in just a moment, but I want to ask, is there... A few things that we can say about all sixes in general. You know, some characteristic that appears or themes that run through the lives in, of all three types of sixes. Why don't you start and I'll, I'll chime in. Okay. So first I need to say that of all nine types, there are probably the fewest things that you can say about all three sixes mm. that would hold true for all three of them uh, because they are the most different from each mm-hmm. other. Uh, them and the fours, right? Um, and um, they they are so different that I do struggle sometimes. Like in introductory workshops, before I've introduced even the idea that there are these three subtypes and that they're they're different, uh, to say things that apply to all three because. Right. In some ways, there are some big oppositions. It's a little bit like fight or flight. Right. is an opposite thing when it comes to coping strategies for dealing with fear. So so I do kind of want to say that, that it's a little bit of hard work to kind of say things that apply to all three. Uh, but that said, I will say that sixes generally uh, are focused on scanning for threats and risks, uh, wanting to be prepared in case the worst happens, predicting and anticipating what might happen next so that they can be ready to meet whatever challenge, problem, uh, threat uh, occurs. Right. Uh, so they're proactively kind of thinking ahead what's going to happen next. Right. That's that ability to see, you know, the downside, right? I, I sometimes say nobody can champion the downside like a six, you know, uh, <laughs> yes. they, they have this ability also, unfortunately, to see danger when the threat low, the threat level is actually quite low. Right. Right. And of course, they all share 
the passion of fear, which some sixes tell me is experienced by them more as anxiety, a vague sense of apprehension about what might happen if were this to happen, right? Tell, I want you to tell folks uh, briefly in your words what a passion is and why it's so important to be very familiar with your passion because many people focus on the traits and characteristic of the type rather than what's at the root of it. So why don't you jump in and, and maybe share that a little bit? Yes. The passion is like the core motivator of the type. It's usually unconscious and that's mm -hmm. the tricky part, uh, but it's a emotional motivation and it's like the core emotional driver of the type. Now, the, the root meaning of the word passion is to suffer. Mm -hmm. So it's a little bit like uh, what keeps this, the underlying suffering going. But of course, uh, the personality is a structure that uh, grows up to keep us from being aware of suffering. Right. So in a way, it sort of keeps us at a low level of awareness uh, by driving us to focus in particular ways based yes. on what this emotional passion is all about for each type. Right. And so self-awareness, self-knowledge uh, around the passion, this is why it's so important. As, as Carl Jung once said, the problem with the unconscious is it's unconscious. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> right? And so until we can surface to the, the passion to conscious awareness, where we can begin to work with it, then our lives be it becomes autonomous and is able to govern our lives from the shadows, you know, without any interference from us, right? Yes. Um, I, I also think with the, with the passion, I, I go back to what you were saying, is that it's the source of so much suffering. Mm -hmm. You know, we tend to, I think, equate the word passion with something positive, right? Like, oh, I'm passionate about this or I'm passionate about that. Everyone needs a passion in life. Well, that's true when we're talking about um, the, you know, be better uh, definition uh, or the preferable definition of passion. But in this sense, we're talking about the word almost the way we would talk about it when we talk about crimes of passion. Exactly. Right? It's this... Wow, it's this powerful force not for that's not in service to our interests, right? That's right. That's right. We don't control our passion, our passion controls us. Exactly. Well said. Everybody, I want you to hear that. Take that home with you if nothing else and start to work on understanding your passion. Um I think another thing that sixes tend to share in common is a kind of skepticism and uh, suspiciousness of others, like the intentions of others, the hidden motivations of others, particularly of authority figures. You know, uh, are they for me? Are they trying to pull the wool over my eyes? Or I think they're really behind me. Or, you know, there's just this ambivalence, right, about authority figures. And I'm, I want to jump in, too, a little bit later on because I think if any number on the Enneagram needs to know itself well these days – in a culture of anxiety mm, yeah. uh, and of demagogues, it's mm. sixes, right? It, the sixes have really got to get a handle on it uh, so they can make really good decisions, um, which, of course, is a struggle for them as well, right? Right, right. Yeah, and, and I, I totally agree with you. And I, 
one of the ways to think about it is that sixes are sensitive to power dynamics. Uh, and it's important to note that they deep down really want a good authority. Mm-hmm. They're almost looking for a protector. It, it's it's a little bit like the replacement of the original archetypal protector, the father. There are father issues there. And so it's like, I'm looking for a good authority to protect me and to be someone I can trust. And, uh, and yet, uh, there is this underlying fear and anxiety that causes them to be very sensitive to any sign that that person who has power over people uh, is not to be trusted, mm-hmm. is going to do something bad. And, and it's a vulnerable position to be, to, to be dependent on an authority. And so it's like they have really a, a good radar for, for sensing. And again, like you said, sometimes they, they, they see things that aren't there. Uh, that might be more the projection angle on it. And I think mm-hmm. probably another thing all sixes do is they, they engage the defense mechanism of protection. Um, and they can go everything. It can be everything from suspecting the authority to questioning the authority to rebelling against the authority. Right. And it, right. d- it again, d- depends on the subtype, what, what they're more likely yeah. to do. So let's jump into subtypes because uh, for those who haven't, uh, listen to this series, it's important to remember, if you're not familiar with them, that subtypes are nuanced expressions of each type. They, they are, they're what arise when our dominant instinct uh, collides. And I like that. You know, this idea, like, it's like two atoms slamming <laughs> into each other and then creating three other, in the collision, three other uh, varieties of the core type. And um, what I love about them, if I were to give an illustration, is, you know, you know your core type, and that's wonderful, fantastic, right? But it's a low-resolution picture, right? Mm. Yes. If you're a wings person, some people are, some people aren't to different differing degrees, you could argue that, oh, once you know that, you get a higher-resolution picture. Mm. But when you get to subtypes, for me, you get an evolutionary leap forward. Like, you go from... I don't know, 2K to 4K in your yes. understanding uh, of the type. And that's, that's why they're, they're so, so uh, important. You want to say anything else about subtypes? Yeah, I think you said it. it it's like they give us more specific information mm. and especially about our growth path. Right. And it, this is so key to know because two different people of the same type can have actually opposite growth paths. Yes. And the six, I think, is the prime example of that, where one person, for instance, needs to get more in touch with anger and strength and confidence. Uh, another six, uh, another kind of subtype of six, needs to get more in touch with vulnerability and stop being so strong and right. sort of appearing overconfident in the face of threat. Uh, so this is one of the biggest reasons why I think you need to know your subtype, because if you're going to use the Enneagram for growth, you you need a good map forward that it gives you really uh, in a really great way. But you got to have the right map. And and it also, I think, helps people find their correct type in the first place. A lot of a lot of the subtypes show us that not every type looks like what you think it will. And of course, that's the idea of the counter type. Uh, that you and I know well. And so knowing the subtypes really helps people find their right place in the the first place, but also 
helps us know in a very nuanced way. And I liked what you were saying, higher resolution. I think of it in terms of like a map. If you have a map, mm. you know, from one place to another and there's only a couple of roads um, versus having all the side streets in there and kind of knowing more specifically mm. how to get to where I need to go. Right. Yeah, very good. And, you know, one of the questions, B, before we jump into the specific subtypes that I think will be helpful to people that I hear a lot is can your subtype change? In other words, can you, is it fluid or is it like core type something that never changes? Mm-hmm. I, I think it can change somewhat, but not completely. Mm. I, th- I think mm. in my experience, these are deeply rooted tendencies. Um, you know, this is the survival brain. Yes. You know, the the emotional part, the limbic system part of survival and the instinctual sort of lizard part of us uh, instinctual. So it's a deeply rooted sense of how I defend myself in the world. Now, that said, the whole goal is to become more aware and be able to moderate the ways that our instinctual impulses and our subtype behaviors just kind of become very automatic and reactive. Right. Um, so I do think we can balance them out somehow. Um, but I don't, I don't very often see people changing completely from one mm-hmm. subtype to another. Yes. I had a friend of mine once say, and they were a sexual subtype. They said, you know, it's amazing how fast I can look like a self-pres type when someone's chasing me with a gun. <laughs> <laughs> Right. So to your point, this is stuff that's in the bone and the blood, right? It's primal material. It's in the bone and the blood. We all have a need for survival. We all are hell bent, right? That's like a, that's our number one goal, right? Is, is uh, making sure we make it to dinner, right? We want to make it to dinner tonight. Uh, So we are, but we tend to rely on one of these more than the others or, or more focus on it. Uh, and then over rely on it. We become overly fixated on it to the point that um, it be, it's it's almost like a trick of evolution, isn't it? It's like we really needed this on the Serengeti, but in the current environment, it, the the over reliance on it becomes very problematic and gets us into trouble a lot yeah. of the time, right? And again, yes. so important to know that for 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 that reason, which is why you know. Understanding instincts too is so important. Let's do that one time. We'll just jump into what instincts are and and, and how they uh, operate inside the human person. Um, all right, jumping in. Let's talk about self preservation sixes, uh, who are sort of termed warmth. Right? We they're yes. sometimes called warmth. These folks have sort of the highest amount of anxiety and fear. Is that right? Yeah, it's a little bit like separation anxiety. Mm. It's a sense of not being protected in the world. So when you mix like fear with self-preservation, it's this is the six that, you know, the impulse is more to run and hide. There's mm-hmm. more awareness of fear and anxiety. Um, there's a, a more of a sense of needing allies, friends, protectors, and kind of coming together with, you know, bunching together in the face of danger. It's like, I'll be more okay if, if I can find someone to hide behind. Right. So it's all about forging alliances, right? Um, there's this uh, friend of mine who um, is incredibly funny, right? And and is a connector of people, is, you know, very much about uh, the... the um, 
creating relationships where the secret or the silent unconscious contract is, I'll help you ensure your survival if you help me ensure mine a little bit. Mm -hmm. And the way that that gets played out, right, is through friendliness and being supportive uh, and also, oddly enough, right, being funny. Because Mm -hmm. when you're funny, right, it, it forges an alliance and creates a sense of other people wanting to be in an alliance with you and you know so there's a kind of isn't there kind of would you say an ingratiating component especially with the authority figures in their lives for the for the self yeah. sex yeah i think they're leading with a friendly soft approach and i do i do see that self-preservation sixes have a kind of distinct sense of humor mm-hmm. it's almost like if i can entertain you you'll like me no more and it is a kind of like looking for someone to protect me and if i'm mm. charming or or um warm and friendly i'm more likely to attract friends and protectors than if i were kind of scary or hard to get along with Yes, and we're going to see a six that is not like this at all in a moment, right? That's right. Um, so these are folks, too, that that really kind of see that their survival depends on, on, hmm, on others, and they tend, therefore, to be very concerned about confrontation or aggression or, um, I don't want to say, I guess conflict, but I, I, I think of it more as anger and confrontation and, and aggression um, and um, <clears throat> and also of disappointing other people. And uh, I personally, I, I experienced that myself. I have a real fear of disappointing other people as a, as a self-pressed for, but for an entirely different set of reasons, right? Yeah. Um, so I, I think that these folks um, typically because they have um, this desire to please others and to forge alliances and relationships they can often look like like twos right yeah we often say they're they're heady on the inside and heartful on the outside mm-hmm. so yes they can look like twos um they can not either not be very in touch with their anger or not express it very often or only with people that they're close to and fearful of other people's aggression right uh the idea being if you get angry someone's likely to get angry back at you and that's what they're very very tuned into avoiding yes in fact i have a six friend who liked like a subtype of twos the moment there's any uh conflict in the relationship they're very quick to fix it you know they 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 really want to get in there and patch it over pretty quick Mm -hmm. you know um I, i think another feature of this six is um they, they seem to lack confidence in their own inner guidance system, particularly around making decisions. And so there's a lot of self-doubt, self-questioning, and also questioning other people, right? Like, are we okay? Is, you know, uh, mm-hmm. things good? You know, uh, they almost sometimes assume that because they question relationships or ambivalent about relationships that the other person is ambivalent about relationships you know and so there's there's like a cocktail party of voices in their heads there's a lot of stuff going on in the head of a six right yeah the the inner committee um yeah i think that sixes self-preservation sixes are are full of doubt Mm. about everything um there's a desire for certainty 
mm-hmm. uh, but a sense of it's it's just not possible. <laughs> right. Mm. Because they can they question everything. They even question their questions or they doubt mm-hmm. their doubt. Yes. Um and so it's a kind of sense of always wanting to find something, you know, the decision, the thing they can stand on, the certain the certain the sense of certainty, but it's never being able to find it. It's like an endless loop of questioning and questioning and not being able to kind of know anything. And that's part of what defines the self-preservation six, as opposed to some of the other sixes who can be more certain at times, even though there's also a struggle with certainty. Mm. All right. Let's talk about the virtue and for everyone to, uh, understand, I think it's important that um, we understand the virtue as the antidote to the passion. It's the opposite of the passion. And, you know, uh, St. Ignatius of Loyola would often talk about the Ajeri Contra, right, which is this spiritual discipline of going against your natural disposition, right? right? It's, and so in a way, it's like going against the passion, right? Uh, working uh, with the passion. I don't think people should ever be at war with themselves per se, but I think this ability to say, okay, my journey is to move from fear and I think you would say to the virtue of courage. Unpack that a little bit. Right. Yes. It's the journey from vice to virtue, as it's sometimes called, is being more and more aware of the passion Mm -hmm. and then aiming for its opposite, the Mm -hmm. higher virtue. Uh, And so in this case, it's courage. And courage in this case means not the absence of fear, but feeling fear and moving forward anyway. Um, That's true courage. Mm -hmm. Um, Being in touch with what scares you, but not letting it stop you. Mm -hmm. And, And when sixes do their inner work, often they really can manifest an enormous amount of courage because Mm -hmm. they can move forward in their lives. They can do things that scare them uh, without letting the underlying fear uh, thwart them. Yes. And I often get excited when I I see sixes. I have a friend of mine who said, "I'm, I'm working on making decisions without the need to consult with others. Mm-hmm. to trust myself. Uh, he sometimes makes a list mm-hmm. of um, past successes. Mm-hmm. It's like they forget their successes. Like It's like every time they hit something, mm-hmm. it's like, and, and they tend to catastrophize what might happen should they make the wrong decision, mm-hmm. right? Yes. And so it's like, okay, so you buy the wrong car. It's not the end of the world, right? Uh, yeah. You can always sell it and get another car, right? And, and yeah. yet- and then you say to the sixes, remember when it didn't work out and you were still okay? Mm-hmm. You know, like remember yeah. those times, right? Yeah. And I yeah. think that helps too in friendships with sixes to, to encourage them and, and to avoid stepping in and assuming the reins of authority in their life and telling mm-hmm. them what to do. It's like, like if we tell my son this, even though he's not a six, when he expresses something that he's working on and he wants – He's, oh, we can tell he's over-relying on our opinion. We'll say, you know, I have every faith in the world. I have all the faith in the world that you can make this decision, and it'll be, it'll be a good decision, mm. you know, or it, the decision will be what it is, you know. So yeah. I think that's fantastic. I, you know, Richard Rohr says something interesting about the virtue here. He doesn't actually use the word courage. He uses the word faith. Now, obviously, Richard's a priest, and so that might explain that, but I do think there's some value in the word faith because— 
At one level, do you ever think you can muster enough courage to face all the anxiety-producing things in this world, whereas uh, faith perhaps has an addendum to it, which is this, this, if people are inclined that way, to say, I believe that there is a higher loving force in the universe that no matter what happens has my back. Right, it, it's you know, come come what may, there's some other force in the universe um, that I can um, depend on, right, for right. my my personal survival or to make sense of of life as it presents itself. Okay, moving on to socials, right? Call duty. Why don't you start on them, and uh, I'll I'll hop in. Okay, so um, the social six is. Uh, very different than the self-preservation six in this respect. Um, They are less uncertain and more certain. In fact, they can be too certain. Mm -hmm. So uncertainty and doubt make social sixes anxious Mm -hmm. because they're, they're kind of looking for the right way to do something or something they can believe in that can give their life a sense of structure, uh, reference points, uh, so they can look a bit one-ish, actually, mm-hmm. because they can be really responsible. And that's the social piece is like feeling responsible or over-responsible to do their duty or know what their duty is so that they can uh, sort of quell their fear by consulting some sort of outside authority. So this is the six that looks for a good authority and then adheres to that authority and follows that authority as a way of coping with fear fear. Uh, But sometimes that authority isn't necessarily a person. It can be an ideology or a system of thinking, religion, science. A a theology, Um, right? Uh, Something like that. I'm very fascinated right now culturally with this group. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I... You know, if we were to do the goofy game of, okay, what cultures sort of embody different uh, types or subtypes, I would have said at one time that America was a social three country. You know, it was a country all about success and image and getting ahead and, and working hard and, you know, just, and of course, looking good while we do it, right? Uh, we are a very image uh, conscious country, but I think we have migrated toward being a social six country. I think we're, we're increasingly a social six world, Right. Uh, At least in in many, many places in the world, Uh, because these types and uh, like they rely on authority figures or systems to protect them. Right. So there's this kind of like, well, pastor told me to do it this way or pastor says or pastor says we should do this or we should do that. And you're like, well, what do you say? Well, you know, pastor says, you know, the answer is always outside themselves. Right. Or it's like or it's a political figure. Right. Mm-hmm. Or it's um, or it's their, the like minded compatriots in the group. Right. Mm-hmm. The group says this. And so they, they have this danger of falling into groupthink and it can become mindless groupthink. Mm-hmm. Right. It's yes. I'm out of touch with what I mean, I'm not. I, you know, the group is going to protect me. The leader is going to protect me. Mm-hmm. The leader sets the rules. I must therefore follow the rules of the leader uh, in, in order to. Um, you know, find my way in the world and and be safe. They also, I think, maybe you can speak to this. They tend to have a can fall into this us versus them thinking. This sort of black and white. These are uh, they're on our side, or you know, they're for us, or they're against us. Right? They're yeah. on our side, or they're evil. Right? Yeah. Uh, there's this mm. kind of they they can if they're not careful fall into the demonization of the other. Right? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, right. I, I agree. I think there's really something in what you're saying. I think my slight, uh, my slight uh, tweak on that would be, I do think we're a social three country that is living in six as a way of trying to find security mm-hmm. during threat when people feel under threat. Right. Uh, and so I do definitely think, you know, this, this, this sector of our society these days that you can see is kind of attracted to an authoritarian leader, like wanting someone to fix it or fight for us or tell us what to do um, in, in a way that I think at certain eras, we might not have, we've been kind of surprised that, that we have that in us as much as we have been seen to having that in us. And I think mm. you're absolutely right. We see that a lot in religious communities. Uh, like there's a safety in what the pastor says or mm. what our teaching tells us what the religion tells us and uh, and so absolutely I agree and it's a kind of needing of rules or a father figure um, and that that's sort of the solution to an underlying anxiety or fear about what's going to happen so it's like a, a going into a having too much of a true believer uh, in this or that, being too black and white, exactly as you're saying, Um, having sort of who are the good guys and the bad guys and how can I feel safer being with the good guys and against going against the bad guys? Yeah. And of course, when this instinct runs off the rails, when the wheels come off of this, uh, when fear is so prominent, People in groups make bad decisions when they're based on fear. Yes. You know, which is why, uh, as you know, and Richard Rohr was the one who said this to me. He had a, uh, he was teaching in Germany and and, uh, uh, a couple of Germans came up to him and said, you know, we are a sixth country. You know, that, and that's why, you know, obviously history has shown what happens, what you're willing to be blind to in order to follow the leader. Right. Yes. As a group and to have yes. a sense of security and empowerment. But, uh, of course, fragile, fragile stuff. OK, the growth path, the transformational path for the social six. Um, the social for the social six, it's owning their own authority. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not projecting it out mm-hmm. so much uh, and needing that outside authority for protection, realizing that. Uh, you need to take that back yourself. And so it mitigates against being such a, such a true believer in this or that. And it's a little bit about um, not being so responsible to everyone else, Mm. not being so locked into doing your duty and being a little bit more in touch with the heart and the body. Um, Social sixes tend to be very intellectual uh, and it's a little bit like Dr. Strangelove. It, it's, it's like too much of a sort of systems thinker right. uh, and not enough consulting the, the feelings and getting more into the body and instinctual impulses and letting mm-hmm. yourself be a little bit more, as Naranjo says, Dionysian. Mm. That's a good way of putting it, isn't it? Mm-hmm. All right. Let's talk about sexual one-to-one sixes here okay and by the way i love a distinction that you make because i find these things sort of helpful when we're trying to delineate different subtypes right you would say or naranjo would say you'll have to correct me on that but that the the self-pres six is warmth is warm Mm -hmm. whereas the social six is cooler Mm -hmm. and the one-to-one six is hot 
right? Yes. They're hot. Yes. And I, I, because, why? It would make sense, right? Because this, we're talking, we're jumping into the, the counter type here that is called strength, right? Yes. It's the hotter expression of the three. Um, and I think this is also a fascinating uh, type because they move against the passion of fear with that strength and that power. And I have a quick story. I'm a big story believer. And I, I have a friend of mine, uh, his name was Mark. I haven't seen him in many years, but he was a mountain climber. And he was a pretty self-aware guy, I think. He didn't know the Enneagram, but he did know himself pretty well. Every year on the same date, he climbed the mountain El Capitan, wow. which is like one of the hardest, wow. most frightening climbs in the world i mean it is a just a sheer rock face and i don't know how many thousands of feet it is or whatever but it is terrifying right and i mean literally at one point on the on the way up he would have to pitch a hammock and sleep on the side over like a thousand wow. feet underneath him like you wow. know right and i said to him one time i said boy you are really brave and he goes no i'm not he said, I am so afraid of dying. I am so afraid I am so afraid of of death that the only way I know how to deal with it is by trying to conquer it. Mm. Mm-hmm. Right? And I think there is a kind of a picture a little bit of that sexual one one-to-one energy there. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm gonna conquer fear by overcoming it, right? Why don't you unpack that a little bit more? I think that's kind yes, of fascinating. absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's the, the, the one to one six, the sexual six. This is the counterphobic six. This is right. the six that goes against fear with strength uh, and moves towards risks. Exactly. Like you're saying as, as if to, it, it's almost like what's more anxiety producing for this six is kind of hanging out and waiting for something to happen. It's like, right. no, they need to go out and meet the, the threat. Uh, that's when they feel sort of more safe is mm-hmm. if I'm going into action to do something about it. Um, and so this is this is the idea that the best defense is a good offense. Right. Um, and it's like they react to fear and vulnerability with anger or aggression or assertiveness. Right. And they often don't experience the fear at all. They don't feel or register the vulnerability. I, I worked with one uh one one counter for big six one time who said, oh, I just skip right over that part, <laughs> you know, and mm-hmm. Nerano used to say they look courageous, but it's the courage of having a gun, mm-hmm. you know, right. it, it's not true courage uh, because true courage comes from being in touch with the fear and then moving ahead anyway. But it's almost like a reactivity in the face of fear where the fear is not experienced, but it's like they go into this reactive, more aggressive mode to try to conquer exactly like you said, that Mm -hmm. danger. Although I have to say your friend, this may be another interesting piece where we can discuss some other time is they, that, that person on El Capitan may also be self-preservation repressed, Mm. right? So not only, is he does he have this sort of sexual energy that's going to go out and conquer um this this mountain uh but to hang on to 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 be able to sleep you know in a hammock hanging off the side of a cliff uh self-preservation may be repressed such that he that's that sort of doesn't register like like when you or i think of doing that like you know what came into my head is no way in a million years would no I way do that. no way but i'm a self-preservation for so you can you can you can count on that being the case you know and maybe one day what we'll do is we'll talk about repressed instincts you know because that again 
in terms of just self-awareness and self-knowledge is so important and also understanding that as part of one's transformational growth path. And so it's such an important, wonderful, again, another piece of this remarkable system called the Enneagram. I think one of the things that's interesting about this type is they are, they preemptively intimidate people. Yes. You know, I've seen this in, I mean, again, I don't want to stereotype and listen, if mm. sixes, I know you're feeling a little beaten up right now and we'll talk about that in a second, but I've seen this in bars, you know, kind of tough bars. I'll, I'll see a guy in the bar or even, you know, a woman in a different expression and they're the ones that kind of sometimes will hit another guy's shoulder as they walk by them. Y- you know mm. what I mean? And there's yeah. this kind of like, don't screw with me. I'm the baddest ass in the bar. Now, mm. it, you know, and what looks like, as you said, what looks like courage, and this is what obviously, is, you know, anyone listening would know that it's probably easy to mistype this person with an eight, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and of course, the, the, the difference is eights are fearless, <laughs> whereas right. this type is being driven by fear, which, mm. and I hate to say this, is why sometimes they're bullies and eights are not. Eights want yeah. to find the bully to beat them up for going after the underdog. This type, I mean, at their worst expression, wow. enjoys the hierarchy of saying, I, I want you to be the underdog. You know, yes. I, I'm the big dog on the porch and you're not. Wow. Right? Yes. So yeah. important. And Go I ahead. like what you said about the guy at the bar. Kind of, I've heard a lot of counterphobic sixes say, um, yeah, I, I can be scary. I can move toward threat but I've never gotten in a fight. Interesting. You know? Yeah. So it's like wow. the, there is that pro, pro and it kind of works. You know, there's this proactive, I'm going to be intimidating to keep wow. what scares me at bay. Uh, but it's, it's, uh, it's, as Nirano said, the bark is worse than the bite. Uh, there's a way that that it's like a, a looking scary, but there's fear behind it. And yes. again, often is unconscious. Yes. Okay, let's finish up. Let's talk about the transformational path for the one-to-one six. Why don't you get us going? And I'll have a few thoughts, I'm sure, as well. Okay, so for the self-preservation six, it's very much about becoming more confident, um, uh, working on that self-doubt, and becoming more secure, especially in yourself about your own capabilities, Mm. Um, learning how to cope with doubt and, and and get out of that sort of endless circle of doubting everything and doubting the doubt. Um, when I would work with self-preservation success, I would often say, can you kind of, you need to go out of that mental loop and into your emotions or into your gut. And so sometimes I would be with a client who was going around and around and around about all these things and he couldn't make a decision and couldn't find anything that was secure. And then I'd say, well, what does your gut tell you? Mm-hmm. And he'd immediately come up with something, right? Wow. So being able to really recognize the only way out of that thought loop is by, it's almost like taking, you know, if, with an old time metaphor, taking the needle on the record and actually taking it off and putting it in a different groove mm. uh, and, right. and being able to really step out of the endless questioning and recognizing you're only answering questions, you're not answering any. Um, and so you need to almost go to a different channel to get a different kind of information. Uh, and it's, of course, owning your own authority, being able to get angry um, in a productive, constructive way that's based on, I know it's important to me, I trust myself. Uh, and then, of course, learning to trust others as well as, as yourself. Yeah. 
I've told this story on uh, typology before, but I've never, I don't think I've ever told it to you, so I'm going to indulge myself here. There was a study done out in the field uh, uh, of, in Africa by a group of, I guess, anthropologists. And what they wanted, they, they took a group of chimpanzees, right? And I don't know if you call them a pod or a family, I'm not sure of the term. But they observed them for a while and they identified those uh, members of the family that exhibited the highest degree of anxiety. Mm. And they decided to remove them from the group to see what would happen. Wow. So they took these four or five chimps out of the group, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and they came back six months later and found out that the rest of the group was dead. <gasps> wow. Wow. And here's the reason why. There were no sentries at the border who were going, is that fire? <laughs> Wait a minute! Right. Did you hear? Did you hear? Did you hear something stepping on a stick? Was yes. that a lion? You know. And so yes. I always tell yes. people, you know, uh, you know, like any type, you know, sixes when they're not very self-aware or lack self-knowledge uh, can be problematic. But I wouldn't want to live in a world without them. You know what I mean? Like, like they got a role, and if it's managed correctly, they are really invaluable to our species. Well, B, we're going to yeah. talk about nines in our next episode, and uh, I'm really looking forward to it because I find this number. Well, first of all, I have a lot of nines <laughs> in my life, and I'm married to one, and I have a child who's one. Mm -hmm. I have a, you know, I love nines, and um, but they are they are far. I mean, they're complicated creatures too. I mean, they 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 are, you know, they may be uh, what you see is what you get, people. But there's also a lot going on here. So I can't wait until we talk about it next time. B, thanks for being with us on Typology and members of our, our, our family, really. May you have love. May you have joy. May you have peace. May you have healing. May you have rest. Until next time.